this is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind with me, psychologist Professor Richard Wiseman. And me, science journalist Marnie Chesterton. This is the podcast where we delve into the psychology of everyday life and answer your questions about human behaviour. Expect fascinating facts, scintillating science, and this might even improve your life. In this episode, we're going to be looking at dreams. What are dreams? Why do we dream? And what are some of the common myths about dreaming? I'd say people telling other people like it's interesting. It's not a myth, it's just annoying. Let's get on with the show. I work with someone, Richard, who used to tell me her dreams every morning. Pretty much every morning. Yeah, it's that bad. Yes. I mean, and it was... uh, the, The point was surprising things happened in her dream mm. and you're like yeah that, that's because surprising things happen in your dream it's not reality right? you start to crop up in your dreams oh n- my nightmares maybe but <laughs> presumably some people actively enjoy listening to people's dreams i mean dream researchers right i don't know if they do or not they, they get a lot of dreams maybe they're just better at faking it than the rest of us but that area does have a fascinating history it goes back a long long way So psychologists have always been interested in in dreams. But if you go back even 100 years, the psychological methods are really limited. How do you know when someone's dreaming? You might be able to watch them all night. People don't sleep very easily under those conditions. But when you see them sort of dreaming, you could wake them up. Or you wait until the morning and they say, here are my dreams. But you don't know whether they're missing out dreams or bits of their dreams. It's all a very patchy account. And you have to try and build theories on this partial amount of information. So did people know that it was more than one dream? Did, did people just wake people up? And <sighs> Yeah, I mean, you had this idea that stuff was going on and that you could wake people up, but it was all a bit haphazard and all very partial. Then, 1950s, Eugene Asarinsky comes along. He was at the University of Chicago, uh, postdoc, and what he decides to do is take the newly developed EEG machine, which is a machine that measures brain waves, basically, and use it uh, to monitor somebody throughout the night. And this was a cutting-edge use of this, this machine. No one's done this. So he gets his eight-year-old son. Useful. Exactly. Works cheap. Uh, comes in, uh, brings him into the lab, and he wires him up to the EEG machine, and also puts on actually some sensors onto the face so he can look at eye movements as well. I'm amazed this child slept at all. <laughs> he uh, puts his child to bed, he goes to the room next door and he watches the output from the machine. And we spoke about sleep on the uh, other episode and what you see is those very sort of noisy, very jagged uh, conscious brainwaves uh, start to become much more smooth and the sun becomes far more relaxed and so on. And then he notices something really weird. After around about 45 minutes, suddenly the pens start to dart from side to side. It's obvious the brain is now full of activity. So the sort of slow wave, relaxed waves have gone, lots of activity. And his eyes, his son's eyes, are moving from side to side. So he thinks, well, his son's obviously woken up. He goes next door, opens the door, and his son is sound asleep. So he's very excited. He realises he's found something odd This occurs throughout the night, again and again, these rather odd periods. He's found something odd in the sleep cycle. They don't know what it is yet, but there's something going on there. So they run some more experiments, and this time they take the radical step of waking people up when they are in that state. And what they find each time, pretty much, is they report a dream. And so this is called REM, rapid eye movement 
state because your eyes are moving from side to side. Brain, uh, very, very active. And now you have a doorway into the world of dreaming. You don't have to wait until the morning where people may have forgotten certain dreams and parts of dreams. You can wake people up throughout the night and get accurate reports. And REM sleep is dream sleep. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you, you can wake people in non-dream sleep and you get kind of just odd words and images. But when you normally wake people up from REM, which is, yes, a dream state, you get this sense of narrative and, and, and much longer sort of uh, events happening. So what they obtained were these accounts now uh, of, of what was really happening throughout the night. And they could see that people were dreaming about five times a night. The dreams got longer as the night went on. And most important of all, now they've got access reliable access to the content of those dreams. I was told that if you wake someone up um, when they're asleep, they don't remember their dreams. Is that not true? Oh, no, no. You, you have to wake somebody up in the middle of a dream or a few seconds, 30 seconds afterwards, after that it's gone. Really? Yeah, two, two or three minutes afterwards, they've got absolutely no recollection of the dream. OK, so when you remember a dream, is that because you woke up and it hadn't finished? Absolutely. So remember with dreaming, we spoke about this with the sleep episode, you're not far off of being awake. It doesn't take much to nudge you over. So if you get an exciting dream, for example, or something dramatic, you wake yourself up. And light sleepers, when they're dreaming, they're very close to being awake. Deep sleepers, it all moves down a bit, so it takes a lot more to wake them up. And so a deep sleeper, very unlikely to remember their dreams you're probably a pretty deep sleeper. Where light sleepers, they're remembering all of their dreams or lots of them. Oh, that's fascinating. I like being a deep sleeper. That's because, yeah, I, I mean, I'm good at napping, so... There we go. And, well, that, that, well would be, that, would be, that would be consistent with that. And so that means we can wake people up and that means we can find out what dreams are really like. And it's fascinating because before then, all the dream reports were, oh, it's incredible, it was so weird, there was a giraffe in the corner of the room and it was wearing a funny hat or whatever it was. When you wake people up, you get exactly what you get. Most dreams are really, really dull. Really? They're like your dreams. Oh, I was in the kitchen, then I made a cup of tea, yeah. and that was nice. Peyton and I had some. Boyce. Yeah, I yeah. Went over, watched telly, wasn't much on. What? So hang on. So, but m most people remember their dreams as being kind of crazy and yeah. surreal. It's hugely selective. What they're doing is waking up from the surreal, weird dreams because they're quite exciting, unusual dreams, and therefore you get this very biased account where being able to wake people up from every dream means that you can get an actual sense of what's happening and about 80% of the dreams really dull. Wow. And then you get the continuity hypothesis, which is they're sort of an extension of everyday life. So a bit like you were saying with your dreams, you know, you go cycling into work or whatever. It's not like every dream I'm going skydiving, you know, unless you're a skydiving instructor. Uh, so the continuity, <laughs> but they often have quite a strong sense of anxiety and worry in there. So, in fact, the murder rate in your dreams is higher than the murder rate in any city in the world. I find that quite comforting. <laughs> you would, yes. <laughs> no, but it's good that it happens where no one actually, there are no consequences, right? Uh, that's right. That's right. So there's, so there's a lot of anxiety and worry and concern in dreams, but they're normally a, a continuation of events that have happened to you or are happening to you. And all of that matters when it comes down to answering the key question that you asked at the top, which is, why do we dream? So why do we dream? We can talk about that a bit later on. <laughs> Okay, we've had a question from listener Olivia about her dream and she asks, why are some dreams so vivid and they stay with you, whereas the vast majority we forget? Are you saying it's just the kind of, the yeah. bias, we forget the boring ones? We forget the boring ones, they don't wake you up. Where, where the vivid, exciting ones wake you up, so that's what you end up remembering. 
So it's a really good example of how a technique comes along. We're talking about 1950s, not very long ago. You know, you've got a lot of psychology before then, which is all based on biased reports. Presumably a lot lot of people have ended up having quite rubbish night's sleep because they're woken up again and asked what they were thinking about. Oh, yeah. Yes. How about now? So, How about so now? Yeah, so I, I did a couple of nights of that as a participant in a dream lab. And it's very odd because you just when you drift off, you know, you, you have your nice little dream and then suddenly you, you're woken up again. And it's it's quite annoying. Can I ask how you did you have to sleep at night or was it during the day no you sleep at night so you can always tell dream and sleep researchers because they're like vampires they're up all night you never see them in the department and and so yeah they're 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 living the exact opposite life probably one of the worst bouts of not sleeping i had was in a dream lab and most of the time they said most of the time uh, we have Uh, students in and you know they haven't had a cup of tea and it's quite early for them and so they have no problem getting off to sleep and then they just put me in this room and I could hear there were two psychologists and a producer the other side of a thin partition wall waiting for me to fall asleep and that's a lot of pressure that's a lot of pressure and it turns out that makes you really not want to go to sleep yes and, and then, then you when, try and go to sleep and then it doesn't work. Did they appear in your dreams? I didn't have any dreams. I mean, I, they, they, I couldn't even lie to them because they'd stuck the, oh, yes. the, the electrodes on me to, and yes. they said, no, 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 you didn't, you didn't get there. So we should say, that we spoke before about the, the sleep cycles. Um, most people dream about five times a night and those dreams become progressively longer. First dream, five minutes. Final dream, 40-ish minutes. And often the emotional tone of that final dream is the thing that sets you for your mood for the day. So positive dream, you wake up and you're feeling great. If you're un- unlucky enough to have a negative dream, then the day doesn't start quite so well. So we've had a question from Sarovi about the amount of time we spend dreaming. And yes. she said, someone once told me that even the most epic dreams where we're having adventures that feel like they last for hours, they actually can all happen in real time in just a couple of minutes. Mm. Is that true? No, it's a complete myth. Oh. Complete myth. And so, again, this is all the dream research. People used to think that. But you, you can see they're dreaming for five minutes, say. You wake them up and say, can you tell us a dream? They report roughly five minutes of activity. You can see them dreaming for ten minutes. You wake them up, they report roughly ten minutes. So dreams very much in real time. Because, in a sense, the brain is replaying and reconstructing the experiences it gets during the day. And, and so it has no way of, of compressing them. But what about if you have a dream that's a bit like a, I don't know, a film? Do, mm. do, do people dream in that kind of, I don't know, they're changing locations or... It depends of... what you're doing. I think if you watch a lot of films, you dream like a film. I mean, certainly the film that, that you see or the book that you read before you go to sleep influences your dreams. It's another good reason to engage in positive imagery because you have more pleasant dreams. So it really does depend. If, if you watch a lot of film or you're a film editor, I suspect you see all the jump cuts and, and so on. But for most people, it's like their everyday life. So if you read horror before bedtime, you're bad more likely... Yeah, OK. Very bad idea. Are we more likely to remember our nightmares? You are, because, again, that it's the waking thing. So, so a nightmare... It's is stressful. It's, it's a stressful thing, it's, and, and so therefore you're more likely to wake up during it. And we, and we should separate nightmares from night terrors, which is a deep sleep, which we spoke about in the episode, which is where you, you, you don't really wake up. You sit up and you're seeing this demonic entity at the end of the bed. That isn't a dream. You're not in REM state, rapid eye movement, which is associated with dreaming. And we should also say that if you wake somebody up from non-REM... 
as in outside of that dream uh, moment, uh, outside of the dreaming experience, they will report things. So they'll say odd words or odd images. It's not like the brain is completely devoid of anything. It's just that in, in terms of getting a narrative and, 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 and big imagery and so on, that's heavily associated with these periods of, uh, of REM activity. Um, we should say we did discuss this elsewhere, but you used to suffer from night terrors. Yes, that's right. And since working with you, it's come back again. You're very welcome. That hooded figure by your bed. Yes. This face? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No longer hooded. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> oh, good. You're back. I've got a question for you. <laughs> um, does everyone dream? Yes. Even babies? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, once you get that 90-minute cycle in there, so, of course, it's hard with babies because you can't get verbal reports. What you could say is that they engage in something that looks like REM sleep. Right. Yes. So my mum my said that you're only really good at a language if you can dream in that language, which made me wonder about, you know, if you can't speak at all, they must have different dreams. Yeah, it's that just... question may not even make sense to us in that, in that way. Yeah, and actually, which language you speak in is uh, sorry, which language you dream in is is really interesting. Uh, I mean, we can. I think in another episode we might get into dream control and lucid dreaming. Uh, I, I've only had one lucid dream in my entire life. If you've had that, that's where you know you're dreaming, and if you're and lucky, you're... you can take control of it. Okay, this is what they were trying to do to me in this sleep lab. Oh, and they they said, you know, move your eyes to the left if you're asleep, and. And yes. apparently you can, yes. even though... Lucid dreamers can, yes. Yeah. I had one lucid dream mm-hmm. and I realised, I was obviously the nature of it was lucid, and that I could do anything I wanted at all. And I was in a shopping centre. So I woke up in the dream, in the shopping centre. I realised I was in a dream. I thought I could do anything at all. And I just went and bought a pair of trousers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I could fly, I could meet any celebrity, and my brain... Went and bought a pair of trousers. That's tragic. It was. And I, and you as could have it was done a supermarket sweep. I could have done anything. You could have. Oh, I could have done anything. A whole and world. I, and I felt Were myself. Were they good just, trousers? No, I didn't no. fit properly. Oh, clowns trousers. <laughs> um, and I, I noticed it was happening. I was thinking, I can't believe this is the full extent of my imagination. Oh, that's tragic. Well, talking about that, that I mean. Can all people lucid dream? Is there something about lucid dreamers? Oh, no, it's, that's... it's very hard. I mean, that is actually quite genetic. Um, so it's, it, people can be helped, that can be trained to increase the probability, but some people are just naturally very, very good at it. And if you're not, like me, it, that training doesn't have a huge impact. But it must be fantastic. You, I, I you, would imagine so. You get this, I mean, if you don't have the inclination to buy trousers when you could do anything yes. in the world, you you've created this alternate second life where That's you can right. fly or whatever. Yes. And someone quite disappointed to come back to real life. Oh. Um, and we did some studies on on another type of dream control where we created an app that tried to control people's dreams. But let's not get into that. We'll do, we'll do that in another um, episode. Let's talk about why we dream. Let's get back to that first. Unless you have other questions. Well, no, I just want, I want to know this lucid dreaming. Why is there a reason why we might do that? Well... Yeah, I, I don't is think it a the science, wiring trick? Well, no, I don't think the science is well worked out at all. Okay. Uh, it's it's a it's an odd thing which a very small percentage of the public uh, can do and people can be trained to do it a little bit. But that dream control is a different thing. So that that's let's let's talk about let's give people something to look forward to. Okay, okay. So back to back to questions on yes. dreaming. If you're blind, do you still dream in pictures? It depends. It depends. So up until the the age of seven so if you're blind from birth or uh, unfortunately have an accident and lose your sight before the age of seven, no, you don't. 
it's an auditory world at that point. Anything after that, and it's a visual world. So the dreams we're having are created by the material that's going into our heads during the day. So it's some fantastic work where if you look at people um, who are watching black and white television in the 1950s, their dreams are more frequently in black and white. So it's, it's, it, you know, it is this continuation of a waking state into the dream world. Input is output. Yes. This is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind and Richard and I will be working our way through a thousand of your questions. And my question, does this question count as a question? Yes, it does. Everything counts. All the questions you've been asking, the ones I've been asking you, everything counts. What about this question? No, that one doesn't. What about this question? Because we could really game this. We'd be like, <laughs> yeah, done. Job done. Um, here's, a, here's a proper question now. Uh, listener Sally uh, wants to know about remembering dreams and says, why is it so hard to remember dreams? The harder I think about them, the more they slip away from me. Or as soon as I try to tell someone else about them, they become impossible to articulate. Well, I mean, so whether we remember them or not depends on the nature of the dream, whether you're a light or a deep sleeper. It's, they're quite hard to remember because they're not, I was about to say, they're not designed to be remembered. They're, they're, they're doing other work. They're doing work. They're just, doing work, as a psychologist would say. Okay. Well, well, that's my opinion. So there are some psychologists that describe them as sort of froth on the beer. That, that, that what happens in, during sleep is that the, the body's sending signals to the brain for various reasons and dreams are just sort of the random output. Things that pop up. That's right. And, and so there's nothing to be gained from, from looking at dreams. And that's certainly true maybe of, of some dreams, but I just can't buy into that because there's too much happening. Why would it be a continuation of everyday life? Why would it be so much about worries and concerns and so on? So I buy, and this is to answer that question that we started with of why we dream, Freud, he keeps on coming up, old Freud, as we talk about these things, of course was fascinated by dreaming. So remember the Freudian model of the mind is you have an iceberg, essentially. We're conscious this tiny bit at the top and we're repressing things, uh, sexual or worries and concerns, uh, down into our unconscious. And he's saying in dreams, that's where it bubbles up. So if you want to really find out what's going on in someone's mind, you have to analyse their dreams. That's where dream, Freudian dream analysis comes from. Um, so I looked into that. I'm not a huge fan of that idea. But I've Why got not? Couple- well, because, because it's I'd... nonsense. Well, no, no, no. He's... No, it's not nonsense. I think the idea that we're doing work is good. I just don't buy that everything's sexual and do with violence and Maybe so on. Maybe for him everything was sexual. Maybe it was. So here are three things. We're not judging here. Riding a horse. Yeah. Is that sexual? Going down a ladder. Yep. Running inside a house. Okay. From a Freudian perspective, what are they all signals of? It's all going to be sexual, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah. Yes. Running in, sorry, running inside a house. I, yes. can, I can somehow going down a ladder. I can. Yeah. Is it a slide or a ladder? Uh, it'd be a ladder. Okay. Yes. Well, but, anything. As everyone knows, a slide is definitely sexier. Than well, well a that's always a ladder. In yeah. A, in okay. run, yes. Yeah. I did a radio phone in many, 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 many years ago, and uh, this man phoned in, and he said, "Every night, I dream of a train." <laughs> going, going into, into a, a tunnel. tunnel and all the white smoke coming out of the tunnel. What could this possibly mean? I said, I didn't know. I didn't know. Maybe he needs to go on a journey Possibly. somewhere. Possibly. Yes. Yeah. So, so the Freudian thing, it, it sets, it, it sows the seeds to say maybe Actually. there is something, as it were. Uh, thank you. Uh, maybe there is something going on here. 
And then you get a group of people come along and they go, oh, hold on a second, I think there's two things happening. One is what's called threat simulation in dreams. The reason why they play on our worries and concerns is you're replaying events that have happened in your life to knock the emotional edges off them. Because we know that as you go through experiences again and again, traumatic experiences, they become less traumatic if you replay them in people's minds in, in an appropriate way. So that's one thing. And maybe they're preparing us in a safe way for some of the threats we're going to encounter in everyday life. So if you dream, if you have a nightmare that you drop the baby, yeah, that's, that's your brain trying to prepare you somehow so that you don't... Exactly. So in, to some extent, we might be celebrating nightmares because actually they're our worst fears, but played out in a safe environment. A bit like going to a haunted house at a funfair or something. So that's, that's one theory. And then going on beyond that is the next group of people that talk about dream work who will say, hold on, I think your brain is looking at your worries and concerns and your problems from many different perspectives. And it's trying to find a solution. It's about creativity. And there's lots of evidence suggests that's the case. You get people to write down a problem and, and tell themselves to dream about it, and often they'll dream a solution. Oh, nice! So, and, and then you, you is can... it a nonsense solution no. that involves a... no? Because it's the concept. My army of flying that's zebras right. will sort out this <laughs> <whole> problem. <laughs> it's but, fine. But then, 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 from a dream world perspective, they would go, "Well, when you talk about an army, what are you talking about? Is it your friends and family? How are they going to? Are they supporting?" And and so that's exactly how they use the dream to springboard into possible solutions. Okay. Okay. And the really interesting piece of research by Rosalind Cartwright looked at the emotional tone of dreams across the night. And it's fascinating. That first five-minute dream is a very dark place. You don't remember it very much, but boy, you don't want to live in that world for very long. And then your middle dreams, they're a bit better emotionally in terms of emotional tone. The final dream of the, uh, the morning, as it is, actually quite a happy dream. So it looks like it's, you've got a kind of psychologist in your head who's helping you to work through these concerns and worries so that you wake up in a better mood, hopefully with a few solutions. Oh, that's fantastic. So it's kind of dump all of the terrible stuff in the first five minutes, just get yeah. that out there, make some sense of some stuff in the middle. And come up with some solutions. And a lovely, wholesome, happy dream for a cheery morning. That's right, which explains why lots of writers, lots of artists, lots of musicians wake up in the morning with a solution Question, question about that. Is it true that Paul McCartney came up with the lyrics to the song Yesterday in a Dream? That's my understanding. And so he goes to bed and his mind works and musical things and comes up with that. Robert Louis Stevenson dreamt almost the whole of Jekyll and Hyde, the entire plot, except for the end, because his wife woke him up just before he got to the conclusion of it. So he had to write that bit in waking state. Although if she hadn't woken him up, maybe he would have slept through it. and yeah, then that would be annoying. And then forgotten it. yes. Yeah, he was, he was huge on dreaming. I mean, all, loads of stuff, a lot of his plots uh, come from it. So he would dream of a toy theatre and, and see the actual play app happening and then write the story. So he, he's written sort of several essays uh, about the power of dreaming and coming up with narrative. So there's a lot of examples where scientists have done it as well. They've had a weird dream and realised that gives you the structure of a particular chemical or, or so on. So there's a lot of... All my best ideas happen when I wake up in the morning and they're all based normally on some kind of dream. 
Do you have a book by your bedside? So no, you write I, them I just down? tell other people. It's like your colleague at work. I bore them rigid with my dreams. And then this happens. It's amazing. Know. And then the cheese wasn't cheese. It was a potato. How does that happen? <laughs> so I, all, I, I always attend to those waking dreams to think, OK, normally they're giving me solutions to things I'm working on, whether it's psychology or whatever. So I'm a big fan of dreaming. I want to know a little bit more about interpretation because we've had a question from a listener about a recurring dream she has. Hi, Richard. I had a question about a recurring dream where my teeth are falling out. Um, it happens quite a lot. It's always in different settings. It can kind of go from a really happy dream and then all of a sudden my teeth are falling out to a nightmare with my teeth coming out. Um, it's like literally one of them will start to crumble and then your whole mouth feels physically full um, and they start falling out. And you're kind of catching them in your mouth, spitting them out into your hand. OK, loads of people have the same dream about their teeth falling out. Yes. Yeah, we talked about dream interpretation in the myth-busting episode, so go listen to that if you haven't. Um, Why do people dream that their teeth are falling out? Well, so it's one of a few very common dreams. Flying, of course, is another one. Um, Taking an exam you're not prepared for. Public speaking, you don't know the talk and your trousers fall down. So so each of them kind of have a sense of symbolism to them. Otherwise, we wouldn't all be dreaming about these things. You could argue that the, the teeth falling out has no meaning at all. Alternatively, you could say, well, this is somebody who's concerned about their appearance, how they appear to others, if they're getting a little bit older, whether that's affecting how other people are perceiving them and so on. Or you could argue you need your teeth and your mouth for communication. Is there something that you're struggling to say to somebody? And so your brain has seen this as your teeth falling out and it's trying to find a solution to that. So there's just different ways of looking at these these things. But I think what's interesting with dream interpretation is not so much those general interpretations, but what does the dream mean to you? So what in this instance, you'd say to this person, what are your teeth? What does that symbolise to you? What's going on in your life that that might make some sense? And that's getting us back to dream work. So they're, they're controversial ideas in psychology. Not everyone buys into them, but I, I think they've got some value. I heard the interpretation for the teeth one as you're going through a period of change. That's that's... That's life. That's the entire... Yeah, that feels a bit that, like a psychic reading, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, is anyone going, I guess, no, I'm not? <laughs> no, no, it's, <laughs> it's exactly the same. Every day is the same. Um, but I guess that's a good opening gambit to someone. Are you going through a period of change? And then they'll pick up on whatever it was that, yeah. that they've noticed that is worrying them. Which actually probably brings us full circle to your colleague who tells you their dreams, which is... It is a dull thing to listen to, but if you say to them, what does that symbolise to you? What do you think that means? You probably get into a bit more of an interesting conversation about them. Is there anything about our dreams that can be helpful? It feels Everything like about quite, our dreams. quite a lot. Yeah. It's not, not a few things. So it's, it's knocking the emotional edges off. It's possibly rehearsing for terrible things that might happen and preparing us for them. It's looking at the problems we're facing and trying to find novel solutions. If you want to improve your dreams, then watch an interesting film or a film you enjoy or a book. Or Read a, a wholesome book. book. A wholesome book no before you go to bed. If you want to use your dreams for this sort of dream work, write down a problem. Uh, and put it on your bedside cabinet and tell yourself to dream about it. And most important of all, pay attention to that dream in the morning. See what you can find in there. So I think a huge amounts to be done with dreaming. 
Podimo and Telltale, this has been Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. Hosted by Professor Richard Wiseman and Marnie Chesterton. Our producer is Kate White. The executive producers for Podimo are Jake Chudno and Matt White. And for Telltale are Rami Sabar and Jago Lee. And if you like this podcast, tell your friends. Leave us a review. If you don't like it, tell your friends you did. Why should you be the only ones to suffer? Although it does help others find us and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WisemanPod. Where we'll be regularly asking you for questions for future episodes. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.